Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone from the new band, Mindfeel, it is uh, Brandon Fields and, of course, Todd Kearns. And, of course, uh, fans know Todd from his time with Slash. And uh, on that, that's my cue to bring in Sir Alan Niven. Bonjour, monsieur. How are you? Bonjour, monsieur. Uh, pretty good, all things considered. I did have a little infection in my ear at the beginning of the week, but I think I'm getting on top of it, so I'm feeling better. And and I'm feeling great because uh, today in Montreal, it was 23 Celsius in uh, November, which I guess is somewhere like 74, 75, something like that, and it's supposed to be like that for the rest of the week, so yes. But, uh, you know, I interviewed Todd uh, talking about uh, Slash, and by the way, we, we've done two interviews where Slash has come up. We, we did Steve Lukather, and we've done uh, this one where uh, the name Slash comes up. And, and, and during the interview, uh, I asked Todd about uh, the new Guns N' Roses music he's heard. And uh, I'm not going to reveal what he said, but listen into the interview. I'm not going to tell you what moment. We're going to play, you know, find the sweet spot by yourself. But uh, his answer and his reaction was quite interesting. But this brings me to this internal um, document from Universal Music that has been um, provided to me and sh- sent to me, and it suggests product. what product release information. Yeah, the product, re- and it suggests that on November twenty fifth, twenty twenty, so now <laughs> basically, that Guns and Roses is going to release an album called Guns and Roses, uh, produced by Guns and Roses and Karam Costanzo. And uh, there are 14 songs, uh, 13 of them are listed as a media account for domestic and a 14th as a Japanese bonus track. Now, I look at this and I'm thinking, this has got to be some dude in his basement who put together an incredible Photoshop and it's just a whole bunch of BS. But but you've looked at it, Alan, and, and what's your take on it? I mean, I'm voting BS right now, but... I'll, let's let's talk about this. You've seen the document. What do you think? I'm looking at the document right now, and uh, in terms of um, paperwork that I've seen from Geffen in the past and Universal, as I see um, every year, uh, the document looks legitimate to me. It really does, um, and. Once you start to consider it and think it through, um, it's interesting because the uh, album number is scratched out. All the titles are scratched out, but the the, um, credits for composing are left in. And I think you're looking at a legitimate document and the idea that it would just suddenly appear is forgive me for saying this, but it's something I would have done um, after all the ridiculous waiting for Chinese demos and all the palaver with that. I mean, my viewpoint on Chinese democracy was the biggest mistake was to release it at all. I would have rather it remained mysterious. I would have rather that the songs from that would be snuck into live shows, one here, one there, and just play with that and just make it even more full of mystique 
an even more fascinating and really whet an appetite and then finally drop it if you have to. Um, but to drop a new record without any pre-press or any palaver or any bullshit, that smacks to me of never mind all the rumors, never mind all the bollocks. Here it is, fuckers. And that to me is pure GNR right there. That is perfectly GNR. So it fits with that kind of approach. Yeah, it... Well, all right. So, so let's you know you you look in the um, and, and I'm going to uh, deconstruct this this document because again I'm not overly convinced it's true, but but the fact that it would just sort of appear on November 25th, 2020, out of the blue without any of the pre the pre hype because you know you you see right now what's going on with ACDC a lot of pre hype a lot of pre hype but. You know, in this digital age, in this Twitter world, in the Facebook world... Track... Wait, 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 wait. Track 9? Yeah. Well, that, I want... I, see, I was going to hold out on that. You, you made me shoot my load before I got to it. But, I, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one, <laughs> too. I'll get to that one. But, you know, in, in 1970 or 75 or 85, you, you had to give it two, three months so because, you know, Hit Parade or Metal Edge or... Metal Hammer, you know, by the time the interviews came out and blah, 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 and you had to get the physical product into the store and you had to make sure that the kids could, you know, plan to skip school to, you know, there was a whole thing that was going into why you would want to pre-anticipate uh, or pre-talk up a, an album. But now, you know, if if Madonna Tomorrow Morning puts out an album, well, the whole Twitter world will know about it and she'll have sold 8 million by the end of the day. Uh, Guns N' Roses, you know, Rolling Stones, you know, you don't really need to have three months of, hey, everybody, it's, you know, like the fact that ACDC is doing, hey, everybody, it's coming. That's very, very old school. I mean, it, it's, you know, ACDC could have put on, you know, on November 1st, here's an album. People would have gone to Spotify. They would have gone to iTunes. They would have said, what the fuck's this? Is that a, that's, it's a new ACDC Yeah. And of course, you know, it would have been all over Facebook and, and all the marketing would have been done. So you agree that that if this is a legitimate thing, that just to drop it out of the sky is complete, I mean, complete genius. It makes sense. Well, I wouldn't say complete genius, but I would say <laughs> it's exactly what I would have done. It's exactly what Gene it. Simmons would have done. Gene Simmons couldn't have got it out by dropping it out of the sky because he needs time to make all the lunch boxes and coffins <laughs> to go with it. But in 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 this case, um, just to suddenly go boom, there it is, motherfuckers. I think undermines all the um, cynicism of oh god, they take forever and they can never get anything done. Completely wipes that out and will be a brush fire of excitement and interest because this is the first record with, you know, Slash being involved um, in a long time. Um, I noticed there are no credits for Izzy in any of the material, which is a bit of a shame because you know how I feel about Izzy and Guns N' Roses material and what he means to it. Um, well, the, the credits that are listed... I mean, you've got Tobias on there, you've got uh, Freeze, you've got Riggs, you've got Stinson. So, 
if that's true, it would suggest that some of these songs have been sitting around for a while, which, of course, you know, listen, bands do that all the time. You know, the last Van Halen, A Different Kind of Truth, had songs going back, I think, to 1975 or something. So, um, but do you think that well, that's... Well, here's, here's the other point. Um, they've been messing around for a long time, and there was even a period of time when um, Is and uh, Slash and, and Duff were convening. And just as a small aside, um, they've had a little bit of COVID-free time as well. And if you check Slash's interviews, he, he, he probably is very consistent in saying that he spends a lot of his COVID-free time in the studio. Um, so would, would I be surprised that this, this is legitimate? No, I think it is legitimate. Um, the paperwork looks right to me. And but I think it's quite possible that this has been put together. Yeah. And I think they're approaching it in absolutely the perfect way. Well, we'll we will find out on November 25th. And then I'll bring up uh, two more points on this. So, so the writing, doesn't that doesn't stress you out that Stinson or Riggs or Freeze or people that were in the band, you know, 20 years ago were on it. But what about the title? I mean, if it comes out and it's just called Guns N' Roses, it's self-titled... Is that a good, powerful statement, or do they need some kind of other title? Because the, the, to me, the one thing that does look believable is the title, because that would be a perfect name. It's like, here we are. We are Guns N' Roses, motherfuckers. Boom. That makes exactly, sense to me. Exactly. Exactly, Mitch. You've got it. The fact they're just calling it Guns N' Roses is a very much brogadaccio. Hey, motherfucker. Guns N' Roses. It's got a real never mind the bollocks, never mind the bullshit vibe to me. And that, I think, is absolutely dead on. See, that makes and sense to me. I now, would, well, go ahead. I, I, would hope, I would hope that what you're going to hear has got, can back up the brogadocio, that we're going to hear something punchy and exciting. And I re, I'm really interested to see if um, Axel's demonstration of using Twitter um, translates into some of what he's writing. I want to hear some fucking politics from him. I've, you know, one of the things well, that... We, we definitely I've, I've don't need out, a civil war. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> well, true. But on the other hand, he's been very vociferous about what he believes in. And that goes for me that goes back to jungle that's part of why i got involved with them because i thought that that was a brilliant lyric and a brilliant song it was one of the weakest performances on the demo that i was given by guess and when they were asking me to work with the band um you know and once once i spent time with the demo i went back to zoot out and i said there's one song on here that we've got to pay attention to it may sound weak on the demo but it's maybe the most important song on the demo. Um, and that was, that was Jungle. And that got, really got my blood going. And I thought it was really exciting because he was a band and some rap scallions from, from the gutter who had a political viewpoint. I mean, go back and look at the video of Welcome to the Jungle. One of the 25 most influential videos of all time, apparently. Well, apparently so, which is, you know, rather nice that it hit that hard, that it's still being mentioned and, you know, 30 years later or being put in a list like that. But, you know, if you go back and look at that, 
while everybody else was, you know, party all night or uh, ate nothing but a good time and floozies and so on and so forth, I had news footage put into that video to make it, make it absolutely clear. This is a band that's got an intelligence and a point of view about our social condition. And, and by the way, yeah, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, by the way, it's rock and roll all night and party every day. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I need to go and check my Kiss albums that I don't have. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's rock and roll all night and party every day, which is very important. Um, all right, let me uh, let me just finish on this then. The the last thing before we get over to Todd and Brandon, and, and don't forget... I asked Todd straight up, I said, what do you think of the new Guns N' Roses songs you've heard? And he has a very clear answer, so go uh, go listen for that. But uh, before that, uh, it does say track nine, featuring Angus Young. You see, that that to me is where it almost gets into the, the fake, like some dude sitting in his basement going, oh yeah. So, I, I don't know, I, I'm... I want to believe that this is true, but I'm not convinced. But okay, so what do you think? Would they make an album called Guns N' Roses and drop it, you know, surreptitiously upon the the, the waiting folks and then throw in a guest on it? Like, wouldn't it just be like, hey, this is us and shouldn't it just be us? No, it's fuck yes. And having Angus play on there is... Uh, a nod and a wink to the fact that uh, Red went out and saved ACDC's ass by touring with them and getting them out of a, a sticky situation. Um, you might be skeptical, but I, but I think it's because you want it to be real. I'm looking at it and I'm going, no, nah, this this smells right to me. I think it's real. Well, okay, so I'll say I this. Could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong, but... It's only one man's opinion, but my, my my opinion is, I think you're going to be rocking hard at the end of the month. Well, I'm I'm hoping and 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 wishing that it's true because it's been long enough. Uh, the this year with all the COVID and stuff has been hard enough. Uh, you know, ACDC dropped something on November 13th, I think, and then and then Guns N' Roses would come around November 25th, and then my favorite band, Thunder, March 12th. <laughs> it just would be. A perfect on Michael Schenker in in January, so it would just be like the next four months will be complete bliss if all this stuff is true. So, well, I mean, and Michael. One Sch- more, yeah. One more thing for you to quickly consider. Historically, the most significant month, the uh, most significant quarter of the year for major releases was always the end of the year in anticipation of Christmas. I'd say November 25th is a good anticipation of Christmas. The whole thing seems right to me. It really it would does. be. And um, just real quick, would it also, uh, when is uh, Thanksgiving and Black Friday? Is that is that before November 25th this year or after? Because either way, it would it would really sort of drop in that moment of everybody buying shit. You know, be like, so it would be perfect. Yes. Anyway, fingers crossed. And uh, let us get over to the one and only... Todd Kearns and uh, Brandon Fields talking about their new album called Minefield. And I think the last uh, 15 minutes of us talking is going to be an internet minefield as the different news groups and websites deconstruct every word and every gasp we just made 
to give it purpose and meaning, but uh, there it is, folks. If you just want meaning, just rewind and listen to it again. You'll, you'll get all the meaning you need. Uh, there you go. We're done. Here is uh, Todd Kearns. And Brandon. Okay. I hit record. I hit record. All right. You are recording, baby. Yes, we are. Uh, we, of course, uh, well, hold on, let me do the whole thing. Uh, welcome to uh, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. As you can see, I am joined by the one and only Todd Kearns and wow. Brandon Fields from Minefield. And if you had had any chance to hear our conversation just before that, we actually were navigating a minefield, which is kind of <laughs> It's true. It, it is, actually. So, uh, bonjour, uh, gentlemen. How are you? Bonjour. Well, Good to well. see you, Mitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, finally, I, I, I'm appearing on these things instead of doing it. Uh, and I, 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 I don't know. What, I have space behind you. Me. Yeah, we're receiving you from somewhere <laughs> beyond. Yeah, I had, I, had the, uh, I had the Mitch logo and I had two heads here. And then when I did Rob Halford last week, they went, you shouldn't have three bald heads on the screen. <laughs> all right so so here i am and in, in this so, oh, so let's talk about minefield so is minefield a band is minefield just a project is it just a couple of singles is it hey i've got we've got covid going on so we might as well do something <laughs> i think it's a bit of all that funny enough that you bring it up like that but it's you know i don't think there's anything wrong with when you say just a project you know like back in the day you would see all, a lot of your favorite musicians would do these cool other things and it, would, and it could be really, really cool. And, and to be honest, the, the thing I do with Slash, even though it's been going on 10 plus years, for all intents and purposes, is a project. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's what, my, my, as a Howard Lease once said to me, he goes, he goes, that's, that's Miles's side hustle. And I go, yeah, it kind of is, you know, it's like, and it's not a bad thing. It's Slash's side hustle now in, in a lot of ways, but not really, you know what I mean? Like we, we all, it's like having, I don't know, multiple wives or something <laughs> and i think that and it is funny because when brandon uh well it, you know first the guys from aces band get a hold of me and they say hey we're doing this thing and would you and i'm like yeah i'm literally and like you say it's it's uh covid i'm watching a whole lot of tv and just missing yeah. playing music and they send me some riffs over and i mean brandon eventually sends me some riffs over and i'm like this is really great and we start putting stuff together and it's like uh, and that's how this happens i think that's the magical thing about this had there been no covid but this may never have happened, you know. No, I don't think any of it would have happened without <laughs> COVID being a thing. So if there's any silver lining with everything that's happening, it's definitely this. And kind of bounce off of Todd's uh, response to that. Uh, definitely at the moment, I would definitely consider it more of a project because, you know, none of us have, the four of us have never been in the same room together at the same time. Uh, me and Todd have never actually been in the same room together at all. So uh, until I'm not even know. sure he really exists, Brian. He could be like a, <laughs> like a CGI. Ever, yeah. Have we ever been in the same? Oh, yes, we have. You, you did the uh, toke thing at the Brass Monkey. Yes. Yeah, and we you came out to the uh, that festival thing we did up there with the Slash guys. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy Montreal. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. The, the, the thing Montreal. I used to the thing I used to consult on before it stopped existing because now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, well. They they uh, they skipped out on it for 2020. That was the plan, and then of course COVID hit, and now uh, I was talking to the owner or whatever, and there's, there's just no money coming in. So some of the festivals are going to have to go bye bye. They're going to keep yeah. Oceaga, but yeah, it's a scary time for that. So hopefully, but I'm hopefully you know hoping that uh, even though things will close, I'm hoping there will be like these you know revamped versions of them that will come up once things are back to some sense of normal. I hope. Well, in fact, where does that put a band like you, like like Minefield or individually? Because up here, eight out of 10 bars are scheduled to close or expected to close. 
Wow. That, that that, eight, yeah, 80%. So routing, I mean, you know, one night in Regina, one night in Halifax is not a tour. Right? I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> well, it is, but it sounds like a terrible tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but you're going to see the same things going on in the States. You're going to have a night in St. Louis and then the next night in Boston, you're going to go. I know, I know. Yeah. So, so the bars are closing and I don't think next year stadiums or, or arenas, I just don't, you know, today they announced Sweden rock. I just don't see it. So that I sort of leaves thing. That leaves that sort of B, you know, the A market's gone, the C market's gone. So it's got the B market. So how, how do you, how do you navigate that? If you can navigate that. That's a really good question. And I really, it's been fascinating because I'm in Vegas currently right now. So, and you know, every casino has multiple venues in it, whether it's a guy playing acoustic guitar over there or somebody yep. playing piano over there, or there's a duo or a little jazz quartet, you know, I mean, there's, there's multiple places to play. So a bunch of my friends in this city are musicians. So I, I've been slowly and quietly, like just paying attention to how things are kind of quietly kind of firing back up. And I don't know, like some things are firing back up. I, I don't know if fire is the right word. You know, they're kind of like, they're kind of happening. And then I'm kind of like, tentatively wondering if it's just going to go away because of how weird everything is but you know it's it's there will be a new normal and i think that that will eventually lead to whatever normal normal is um so it's a really good question i think that we have to just be sort of patient and just see what happens i i'm a relatively optimistic guy so i always kind of think that you know there's punk rock shows happening in basements right now i mean that's just that's that's just guaranteed to be happening that's the way it's always going to be but um um, for the rest of us, yeah, I don't know. Like a hockey arena or a stadium is probably unlikely for a while. For for a long while, at least at least in some countries. I don't know about you know Sweden Rock. I I don't see how that's going to happen because you also have to have permission to fly into the country and fly out of the. <laughs> and that's that's a big problem right now is people yeah. from America aren't really allowed anywhere. So. Well, I actually looked at the list on that on that concert, and I was kind of like. I don't think there was a whole lot of, I mean, I Devin Townsend from Canada is coming. And, uh, well, there was Night Ranger, and it's just like, oh, oh good, good luck. Night yeah, Ranger they, played uh, Sturgis this year, and I think they were one of the bands that kind of were trying not to promote it that much, but then it ended up coming out anyway, of course, because right. there was over right. 100,000 people there. But so, yeah, I, think, I think something that you're really going to start to see more of is, uh, like you said, there's not going to be as many towns, you know, as open as some as some of the other ones are. So I think something that you might see more of is bands doing maybe two shows a night, like from where there's limited capacity and it might turn into a situation like that to where you're spending more than just one night, maybe. In well, you know, um, I recently reported on a steel Panther show and I've looked at their uh, routing and they are doing uh, afternoon and daytime shows in, in venues. So they they'll have a two o'clock show and then they'll have a nine o'clock show. And I think, you know, if it's doable, if it's sellable, that might be the way to go. Uh, it's funny. In the age of electric, we used to do that all the time because we would, they wouldn't allow, as you know, in Canada, very strict rules about underage kids in bars. Mm-hmm. But we worked out deals where we would play in the afternoon to teenagers right. and then play the same night for the bar crowd. So, I mean, it's kind of like the 60s or something or the 50s, maybe like you would play like 20 minute shows or 25 minute shows. But uh, I don't foresee that. But I think that I mean, obviously, the guys at Steel Panther, they are not idiots. Those guys have really kind of written their own ticket in such a big way that I'm sure that they know if they're stopping in Des Moines, Iowa, they're going to play twice if they have to to kind of make it make ends meet. I, I think that makes sense to me. It, it makes sense. So so where does that leave Minefield now? So is there an album coming out or is it just these singles? 
We've got a 10 song album that will be out in February on Golden Robot. So we've got a few singles, you know, the first one alone together came out in September. Home will be out November 16th. Then we'll have another one out first of the year sometime. And then we'll have a fourth single that will coincide with the album release in February. So there's 10 tracks, nine originals, one cover on the album. So it's, it's a full album. He's, he's, a, he's a pro, this Brandon Fields. He's just <laughs> rattling off information. Hey, dude, it's from watching all those Todd Kearns interviews. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about that. I don't know if I've ever had a Todd Kearns interview. Have we ever had done an interview before? I know we've spoken before, but I don't know if we've ever done an interview before. I think you might have interviewed me for the night manager position at 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the, at the, at the I didn't get monkey. the job. Long story short, yeah, the brass monkey. I didn't speaking get that. Of, job. Uh, speaking of uh, the brass monkey and your your uh, bandmate in um, Toke or Toke, yes, whatever you want to call it, oh, exactly. Yeah. Spelt Toke. It's <laughs> <laughs> the French Canadian argument. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> no, but uh, but but Sir Charco in the band who who, who has yes. worked, uh, you know, with uh, Shania Twain and Mutt Lang and some of those albums. Mm-hmm. Has he ever talked to you about working at that time and what it's like and? And does he come to you when you're making a record, making a, a, a toque or a toque or whatever, Age of Electric, and offer advice? Because, you know, somebody who's worked with Mutt, you got to listen to. Yeah, I mean, uh, not only, I mean, Corey is, is was really uh, how Kevin Churko became Kevin Churko, his brother, right. his, his older brother. Right, the Churkos. The yeah, because Corey was working with Shania, mm-hmm. and Mutt was looking for an engineer, and Corey was in the band and he's sort of like, my brother is a great Pro Tools guy right. in like Regina, Saskatchewan at the time. <laughs> and he's like, so long story short, Kevin moves his family from Regina, Saskatchewan to like Stockholm or no, I'm not sure. Maybe Switzerland. I think it's Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. And then they, you know, and then he does this apprenticeship that leads to him producing Ozzy Osbourne records and then becoming Kevin Churko, the, the mega successful producer. Um, and and yeah. a great producer. Let's and an amazing it. producer. So Corey, Corey produces all the Tuke stuff. I mean, he's, he, he is as able-bodied in every possible way that, that uh, um, Kevin is in, his, in, a, in, a, in a very different way. But I mean, because Corey wears a musician hat, he's sort of more that guy. But uh, yeah, he's really, really talented in that, in that area as well. But does he offer you any advice on how to produce stuff and how to make stuff? And, and, and It's his... funny because I have a lot of questions about Mutt because what's interesting to all of us, I think, as music fans is the idea of like, how do you go from doing the kind of like Highway to Hell, um, Back in Black kind of what we could consider bare bones rock and roll. Yeah, or writing this... a song like Do You Believe in Love for Huey Lewis. How do you go right? from that to yeah. And then, and then just watching that progression. I mean, there's a whole other world of muttness that you kind of, if you dig down that rabbit hole, you find a lot of crazy stuff. But right. um, even that song, Loving Every Minute of It by Loverboy, yep. is apparently just a song that Mutt just kind of gave to them. Like, here's a song. And yeah, they I don't want it. I <laughs> just got this lying around. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to, to listen to it. I think there's a lot of very intimidating stories that Corey would tell me, stuff like, you know, you come up with a really great song and you go, hey, Mutt, listen to this. And he goes, well, that part's great for a verse. Uh, you know, the, the chorus of the song, the most important part of your song that you worked really hard on. He goes, well, that's a good verse. Now let's turn, let's find some other pieces. And you're like, basically just, you know, cutting up pieces of this child you just gave birth to. And it's like, no, <laughs> the start of this. 
And I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. But I mean, the proof's in the pudding with a guy like that. Well, and I'll tell you, and, I, and we'll move on back to the band. Uh, last year, one of these mega bands was on tour and I was sitting on, on the bus with one of these guys and he had a solo album and he played it for me and it sounded okay. And then he, he A-B'd it. He played me the other one. He goes, ah, but I've been working with Mutt Lang. Listen to what he's done. And he played wow. the same songs. And the, the first version, which was his version, was, eh. And then the Mutt version had all kinds of stuff coming in. And it was, oh. and you were just like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And well, there's a reason these guys are, are you know, sixth degree black belt of, of, of that world. I mean, you know what yeah. it's like. It's like, I'm, I'm the guy that can listen to like raw power by the Stooges and go, no one should ever touch this. Sure, it sounds terrible, really, if you really want to get into it. Or the MC5's first album is basically a live album. You know, it's like, even the first Sabbath album is largely just all recorded live off the floor, apparently. Same as the first Poison album. Is that right? Well, I think it was done like in 12 hours or something. I mean, something like that. It was done within two weeks, like super fast. Isn't that interesting? And then you, and you imagine it being like played on MTV at like, you know, high volume. And you're like, this was just recorded in, this song was recorded in a couple of hours. You know? well, I always go back to the theory of we should go back to those days. Cause you look at Sabbath, you look at Led Zeppelin, you look at poison, right? All this stuff was done within 48 hours, nine days, seven days. So I wrote it on the napkin in the, in the back of the, you know, and then you, you, you hear these other bands. Oh, we've been in the studio for 12 years. And you're like, Really? Just fucking. I know, I know. Uh, I was actually like thinking uh, about the first Zeppelin album. I have, a, I have a whole other conversation about great first albums. Yeah. But I think Led Zeppelin wasn't, they weren't together very long before they made that first album, like under oh. a year. I think it was very, very brief. Like, no, that's, that's why there's. That, uh, Jimmy Page hadn't been in the Yardbirds, I don't Exactly. Think. Yeah. It had to be less than a year or two whenever that happened. So there's like, you know, multiple oh. blues covers on there and stuff like that. And they make this, you know, in, insane album. But I, I think that that's. Covers. That's that's an interesting uh, conversation, and I, I'm always one of those guys that I don't like sitting in the studio. I mean, it depends. If I'm getting paid, I'll sit in the studio for you know the twelve years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? But the whole idea of, of I just feel like eventually you've just milked these songs of all their you know joy. Life. And, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think I when feel you start the, doing those songs multiple times, there's you can hear the life like leaving these songs. It becomes. Yeah becomes more of a chore you know to finish recording them or something yep. so and, and wasn't uh, the first led zeppelin, led zeppelin album just a uh, spirit covers album wasn't that what it really was <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah well both of the those, second uh, third and fourth the uh, first two hot, zeppelin records both came out that year <laughs> the what came out that year uh those both the first two zeppelin albums came out in 69 so they pumped out both of those things in the same year isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is, is back then, even looking at Aerosmith and Kiss and Cheap Trick back in those days, they were still knocking out albums at like, you know, under a year apart. March and November, so, March and November. That's exactly yeah. every every band. Yeah. <laughs> I would be perfectly cool with that. I mean, unfortunately, the, the, sometimes the writing is tough to make happen, but you figure it out, write some songs on the road, go. Yeah, cover Honeymoon Suite. That's the way to go. Oh. <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a given. Talk, talk to me then, just uh, Todd, for, for you in terms of, of that, because you do do Toke and, and, you know, there's Age of Electric and you do some other stuff and you do the, you know, the Bruce Kulik, uh, you know, the cruise. And how do you decide what gets your attention and what you just sort of go, eh, I don't have time for? So, I mean, it, um, in this case of Minefield, I mean, did, did he show up with like 25,000 and said, hey, I want you to play guitar? Or is, <laughs> or, or is there sort of a, 
a commercial or not a commercial, but um, an artistic point of view that goes, ooh, this could be interesting. Well, a lot of it, honestly, is because I didn't know Brandon in, in, in the initial phase of this, but I knew Jeremy and Matt both from Mesa's band and I knew Matt from other stuff. And, That's and right. uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and they're just those kind of guys that I, I love and I love uh, the idea of like doing something with them. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that became real mafia as far as like, do you vouch for this Brandon guy? Do you vouch for them? So once they vouched for them, I was kind of like, okay, cool, let's check it out. So then it was like sending things back and forth. And I, you know, and and literally it was just a perfect moment in time for it to be. To happen. To, to happen. So it was kind of like, you know, it, it, we very easily could have like done a couple things. And, and if a guy wasn't as ambitious as Brandon is, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll, you'll do stuff and it just kind of falls by the wayside because of the nature of people's schedules and whatever else mm-hmm. happens. But um, yeah, Brandon just kind of like, we, we kind of hit it off musically and that was sort of the, where we're so, at. So let me ask you this, Brandon, you know, because eventually I would think life's going to go back to normal and Todd's going to go do the toke and, and slash and the whole thing. Uh, if Minefield connects with the fans and they want to hear more, do, does it become interchangeable parts without any disrespect and just say, listen, I got to keep moving? Or do you wait for these guys and say, okay, well, we'll do something in three years from now? Well, those other two guys, they're completely replaceable. <laughs> Just kidding. Where, yeah, what are their names? Are, yeah. Is Gossador here right now? Yeah. yeah. No. yeah. We'll, we'll just toss Matt out and get Joey Casada in there. Yeah. yeah exactly. We love uh, Joey. I think, I think it definitely, so in the beginning when all right. this started, uh, I, I made it clear to Golden Robot whenever we initially started talking about the record deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they There's an option with that we have with them for a second album. Right. So I wanted to make it clear. I was like, look, even myself included, this is not our main gig. We all have pretty, pretty heavy schedules outside of this. I was like, right. I can't promise you that if we do another record that it will have this exact same lineup. Uh, so that was definitely discussed in the beginning. And, but, you know, as things kind of go on, I think uh, it's, I, I'm still hesitant, you know, to call it a band because we've never been in the same room together. Uh, <laughs> but I know uh, just from now on uh, it's, you know, we've done 10 songs together. It's the four of us on every song. So I feel like, it's you know it's not a situation anymore nowadays thankfully to technology to where if you're cutting a record you got to go spend three four months in nashville you know hashing it out it's uh kind of convenient to where we can send everything back and forth through email and all that kind of stuff so i think it's not necessarily as much of a situation where it would tie up everybody's schedule if we wanted to go do something else even if everything was back to normal because uh we can kind of slide it in as we need be uh, yeah, I have a suggestion. Stuff. If you have to change singers, go hire Chris Van Dahl and then call the band L.A. Guns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that does, I don't see. I don't foresee any problem with that. Well, Golden <laughs> Robot already has one, so what? Why, why not? There you song? go. I mean, oh God! No, uh, <laughs> this is right now. That's going to be like a fucking clickbait thing, right there. Boom! I know. There, here we go. Yeah, yeah. The, the king of the king of the clickbait. But no, uh, jokes aside, and I'm, I mean, I've been doing this since nine in the morning. I'm wacky at this point. But uh, so you you do foresee then moving forward, Brandon, with the band, and if you have to replace three fourths of the part, well, that's that's sort of the gig, right? Because I mean, to me, honestly, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Brandon, but to me, you? I think we, we all sort of said to him, look, you know, we all have stuff going on. If you if we end up in the in the in the, you know, a good position 
I mean, it would be a good problem to have that, man, this thing's kind of connecting. And now I got to figure out how to tour this thing or whatever. Yeah. And I'd be like, dude, I totally understand. If I'm like in the middle of Australia doing something and he's got like some stuff that starts bubbling up, I'm like, dude, you got to chase that down. Um, I, I, I don't know that, you know, the cool thing about doing the record like this is the first time I've ever done it. I'm sure Brandon, because he's younger than I am, he's like, he's probably doing this kind of, he's living in the future where I'm still kind of, my VCR is still blinking 12 o'clock. But, uh, <laughs> but making a record like this, I'm kind of like, well, a second record could be made like that. Why not? I, I, I it really, in a lot of ways, I'm very thankful to, in, in without, I haven't said this too much to Brandon that, you know, in, I, I, I love my couch and I love my family and I love the TV. And when, when I finally, had the ability to shut everything down. I was like, I am happy as a clam just to chill here. But Brandon came along and said, poke, poke, make these sorts of, <laughs> make these into songs. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it kind of just like, now I feel like really kind of like, yeah, let's make some more songs. And we're still, we're still kind of making songs. So now you can take the ball, Brandon. You can take uh, the ball. Yeah. And Brandon, just real quick, you got nine minutes before the Zoom shuts us down, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Matt actually went into the studio today to cut the final drum track for the tenth song on the nice. album. So we're we're in that home stretch right now. And Anthony Fox actually just started on Monday mixing and mastering. There's another the, talent for uh, you. Love yeah. Anthony. Yeah, very fantastic guy. And you know, uh, one of the cool things about this whole process is it kind of started where you know it was more of just a business thing, but now like me and Todd text each other almost every day and we're never talking about Monfield for the most part. It's always, <laughs> it's always like Seinfeld or star Wars or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Our, our honeymoon and, swing. And, yeah. And <laughs> Anthony as well, you know, these, uh, I've known Jeremy since I was about 13. So a little different with him, even though this has allowed us to connect in a whole other way right. than we never had. But uh, that's kind of the beauty in it that I've kind of become friends with all these guys now. And I can, you know, talk to them comfortably about most anything. And Yeah, I've known it, them for over uh, a decade. Not friends at all. They never. <laughs> never oil and water. Oil and water. Oil and water. That's right. It's all, it's I, all about the uh, the tote. I owe I owed Todd $5 every time I text him. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he has to text me through Cameo. It's yeah. a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Paid Zoom. Um, this is costing him twenty-five dollars right now. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Please, I, I please, sent him, please send donations to Venmo right here. Yeah, I, I sent him my PayPal to do the interview. Actually, <laughs> it's a good racket. It's, it's the only time racket. I got paid doing this yeah. stuff. Um, uh, Todd, how are the uh, new Guns N' Roses songs you're hearing? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I haven't heard anything, dude. I haven't heard anything, but I'm always very sort of like I'm like you. I'm like hovering around, waiting to kind of like. I keep waiting for like, you know, being in the car and kind of like, you know, oh, you should just play this, just press play here. And we're just like, what? You know, but no, I haven't heard anything. Haven't I heard. haven't heard anything and I don't know what the hell's going on. No, I know. So and and you know what? With an album, if it ever comes out or if they're, it's sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't, because it's going to come out. And the first comment on Twitter is going to be, this sucks. Because the, the, the angry people always tweet first. They do, yeah. <laughs> and then and then it's just going to be... They're tweeting uh, about this right now. Yeah. Right now. It's, <laughs> they're reviewing a two-hour-long movie five minutes after it comes out. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And it's always the negative guys that come out first. You know, it's always... You, you oh. just can't read the comments on any of that shit, man. And that's something I've kind of had to uh, instill nope. in myself now. So yeah. Comments are bad. Comments are bad. Though I, I try to run a clean ship. I mean, I... I'll be I, there. I, I'll be there in line to get that new Guns N' Roses record. I think Brandon will be there. I'm sure we'll listen, I'll, I'll I'll listen, I'm a fan of music. I, I will buy the new uh, LA Guns with Tracy and Phil. I will buy the new LA Guns with 
uh, Steve and Kelly. I will buy the new toke. I will buy the new foreigner. Just you know, because listen, we're at that point where we've got five or ten years of you got maybe, well, maybe you guys longer, but the other bands, you know, I've got a Scorpion shirt on right now. Will they be playing in 2030? Probably no. not. So it's not the time to fucking bitch and moan. You know, how many of us would like to go see Eddie Van Halen Van Halen tonight? Absolutely. And we Absolutely. can't. And no, that's going to be happening to Kiss, and that's going to be happening to Foreigner, and that's going to be happening to Dawkins. So Arrow just shut the fuck up and go support yeah. them and stuff. Exactly. And, and, you know, support Tracy and Phil. So they all deserve support because it's all fleeting and it's all going to end. I have a calendar here and it's going to end. We got I 10 know. years. So you I know. know. And it's like every year it's just some, you know, we keep going through some horrific tragedy in, in the music industry. And yes. I'm like, these, these guys aren't getting younger. Ringo Starr's out like he was supposed to be doing dates this year at, yeah. at 80 years old yeah and i'm like yeah. and elton john yeah you know, some of these bands that are rescheduling ozzy has rescheduled for 2022 i'm and willing to think it doesn't happen and yeah. it's unfortunate yeah but, but a good problem to have like i i have no retirement plan yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like i plan to be playing at an applebee's at 80 years old in the corner is that todd kearns <laughs> See, I As have a retirement to, plan. I, I have a good retirement plan. I know, yeah, you're a grown-up. You're the only grown-up I, I know in this industry. <laughs> I, I started investing when I was 21, so in four years, you. I'm out. I'm out. We'll nice. never hear of you again. You'll just vanish. Like, like right. Right, Listen, I live in a village of 500 people, so I could actually just disappear. <laughs> Nobody wouldn't even notice. It's one of my greatest fears well, when I walk notice. the dog. I would notice. You would notice. But see, when I walk my dogs through the cornfields and all the, the I, I keep having this thing that if I had a heart attack right here, nobody would find me for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. I hope your dog would run back like Lassie and they'd be like, yeah. is it trouble at, the, trouble at the old mill boy? What's, what's going on? I know. Uh, but I don't know. If you... Did Mitch have a heart attack? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I know you've seen my Twitter every so often. You'll see, you know, the dog walking. It's me and cows. And I like that. Yeah, it's, that, sounds, it's, that sounds envious. I, it's yeah, just, peaceful. Yeah, just appreciating life. More people. I'm city folk. Like I grew that. up. I grew up in a small town, and, I, and I, ever since I've been in, like able to get to a city, it's just been city life. Like I just can't even wrap my head around the idea of, of the quiet. I'm in the suburbs in the city, but it's you know. That's yeah, I've never lived in a city and, and when I do go to shows and I hear and I have to stay at a holiday in I mean the coke oh, yeah. machine keeps me up at night you know you just hear yeah, that hum yeah. and you go fuck <laughs> shut <Yeah>. up <laughs> but anyway, anyway cars outside see guys guys like us that have tinnitus we have to stay in the city because exactly, all that, yeah. we need that white noise uh, exactly uh, I, I can't I'm, I can't handle it my it, when I turn on the heater at night like when it gets colder in Montreal it buzzes a little bit and I can't sleep so all winter I just can't sleep Anyway, uh, we're we're at 37 minutes. This is going to shut down because I have free Zoom because I'm a cheap bastard. Uh, <laughs> but Minefield, folks, is coming out on Golden Robot, a great label out of Australia, by the way. Yeah, it's cool. Um, hey, you know, uh, buy, support, tweet, you know, reshare the videos when they go up. Uh, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Toujours un plaisir, as we say in Montreal. Thanks yes, for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me uh, let me stop the recording a second. If I can figure out how to do that.